Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you back to Disney at Play for this podcast. We, well, welcome. My wife and I had a terrific, incredible opportunity to spend time in London during the Queen's Jubilee, in faraway places in England, and in Paris as well. But we also spent several days in Disneyland Paris, and I can't wait to share that experience. There were many fantastic wow moments along the way, as well as some terrific surprises at both the Disneyland Park and the Walt Disney Studios Paris Park. Between the two is the dining and shopping experiences, the Disney Village. I also talk about them as well as many of the logistics of our stay to include the two Disneyland Resort uh, Disneyland Paris resorts we stayed at, the Santa Fe and the Sequoia. I also get into the weeds of our stay to include trains and planes, getting to and from within the resort, and uh, even handling laundry. It was a fantastic trip. And for those of you who have ever wondered about visiting, I assure you this podcast is for you. I'll even explain how this park has now become perhaps one of my favorite parks around the world. It was that good. Join us for this Disneyland Paris trip report and so much more. Make sure that you check out Disney at play.com. Um, it is, uh, well, I'm going to have an outline of not only what I'm chatting about today, but some photos that kind of capture uh, the highlights of this experience. I assure you, too, that there will be many more podcasts in the days, weeks, and months to come on Disneyland Paris. I captured so much of what there is in that park, and I wanted to take advantage of it. In fact, I've probably said in a podcast already, you know, I've, I've had a chance to visit all the parks. Well, to be honest, it is because of some wonderful clients in Singapore that I've been able to go beyond Disneyland and Walt Disney World to spend time at Shanghai Disney, the Tokyo Disney Resort, and even the Hong Kong Disney Resort. So so that's been a blessing. I, I don't know how I would have paid for those kinds of trips, or at least the, the quantity of them, uh, without those wonderful clients giving me an excuse to kind of weave that into a business trip. But it's been a while since I've been to Europe. In fact, 17 years since I've been to Disneyland Paris. And so I, uh, the, the cool news is all those trips ended up creating miles for me. And it allowed me to literally purchase the airline tickets needed. That's probably the biggest expense of going to Europe is that trying to figure out those airline tickets. But if you can figure that part out, the rest is, is really in many ways pretty doable, certainly doable at the same level of an experience going to Walt Disney World. And so definitely you want to give consideration to this. And, and I wanted to make sure that now this has been the first time I visited in 17 years, uh, I needed to capture as much of it as possibly before. I think I mentioned originally that uh, when, I when I last went, I had my first digital camera, but those cameras only allowed me to capture about 17, 18 photos at a time. So I maybe walked away with 40, 40 photos, not even one of the Walt Disney Studios uh, Paris Park. Um, this time, 
I got a little OCD and captured over 3,000 photos and videos uh, of the entire resort. I wanted to be able to capture it because I want to be able to share, like I do share with all the other parks, all that there is to see and do and wanted you to have the opportunity to experience that. So without further ado, make sure you subscribe to DisneyAtPlay.com because we have so much more to come. And also at DisneyAtWork.com where we're going to take some of these things that happened in Paris and apply them back to your business, your organization work. So there's lots of podcasts to come and I appreciate your patience while I have I've been away on this uh, 10-day trip. I have to start off with uh, some events that occurred beforehand, um, partly because they lend themselves into, um, into how you might want to plan a trip and experience to Disneyland Paris. So I wanted to be able to share some of those with you. We decided we would go to, um, to England and visit the United Kingdom and we booked that and then we realized we were staying there in the middle of the Queen's Jubilee. Now, if you haven't had a chance to do that, you're probably not gonna do it. That was a 70th anniversary of the reign of Queen Elizabeth and that, that's not gonna happen again, ever, with a seceding monarch, not in our, li uh, in our lifetimes, but the, the excitement and the energy of being in London during that time, you really saw people come together. I gotta tell you, the folks in London, they were so wonderful and kind and considerate to us. And we just had a great experience being part of this. A lot of you may think about doing a trip that includes going to London before you go to Paris. Totally a great idea, but there's some things we did that maybe you ought to consider not doing. Um, I should say the transportation wise, in fact, I found London to be right now more affordable than even Paris. In fact, we didn't even plan it, but we were, we were, it was like seven in the evening and we were thinking, okay, what did we want to do this evening? And we happened upon the shows that the, um, the Broadway style shows that are playing out there. You could have gotten a seat a couple of weeks ago for Hamilton for $50 a seat. Um, in London. I'm telling you, there are some really good prices. Transportations, the taxis are very reasonable. Um, the double-decker bus stations, I did do a double-decker bus in Paris that worked. I think it would have worked in London. It didn't work during the Jubilee because so many streets were um, pulled down and so forth and didn't, um, didn't allow us that. Um, metros, I love them because the, the tube, you can tap in and tap out with a, with a credit card and it's done. It's, you have to figure out the whole ticketing system, uh, which you had to do in Paris, and that was a pain. And then they have these Uber boats that um, go along the Thames, and that was so easy. Our hotel was near St. Paul's Cathedral, which is not in the heart. It was kind of in the heart of everything, but not in the heart. Well, at any rate, I thought it was a great place because you could go in one direction um, toward the Thames. You could go one direction toward the Tower of London. You could go another direction um, toward Piccadilly Circus and other places. I thought it was, a re and it was really close to the river, so you could use these Uber boats as well as the double-decker buses, as well as taxis, as well as a metro or a, 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 a tube station 
that was available there. So I thought it was really good. Our hotel overlooked St. Paul's Cathedral. And it, our window of the hotel room overlooked this um, this beautiful cathedral, which is, of course, the heart and soul of, of Feed the Birds and Mary Poppins. And let me tell you, it was just so, it was so awesome. We toured that experience, which was fantastic. Um, we got in the middle of the Queen's Jubilee chaos, the whole, you know, march through the streets. We were in Trafalgar Square. It was chaotic, but it was also a once in a lifetime thing. And there were so many, if we had more time, there were so many other places we would have seen in London. So worthy of a few days, at least. And then my wife's ancestors are about um, an hour, hour and a half north of London by train. And we gathered, got on a train and the station was in Kettering, which is kind of a, almost an outskirts kind of uh, suburb to London. A lot of people come to and from it. We stayed in Market Harborough, which is kind of a touristy little place. That was kind of cool. But our ancestors came from Cottingham. And this was a little village in the middle of nowhere. Even people from Market Harborough didn't know where Cottingham was, and it was only 15 minutes away. Um, but we were able to go to the, to the church and to the cemeteries and be able to walk the streets of our ancestors, eat in a pub that was with beams that were over 600 years old. I mean, this was the, the land of her ancestors and a small little village you could walk from one side to the other in, in less than 15 minutes. It, it, it really allowed us to see a different part of the UK and you may want to consider that as well if you have the time to do that. Now, why I'm talking about all of this is because I wonder, I thought, okay, if we're gonna do that, then how are we going to bring in the Paris experience? I had points, it could have been easy on points to have just grabbed something from, from London, go over to Charles de Gaulle in Paris and experience that. No, 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 no. I didn't do the, the, the very affordable thing. Instead, I took a more expensive route that kept getting more expensive as we had to change our itinerary. And the expensive route was born, if you've seen Impression de France at Epcot. Mind you, this is the ultimate film that for nearly 40 years has shown us what France is all about, you know. If you remember, towards the end of the film, there's a train and you see all these people dining with white linen on the train and then the music's playing dun 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 and and you're coming into the Paris train station and you arrive at the Eiffel Tower ah Paris you know and and this romantic view I thought how cool we'll take we'll take a Eurostar train bullet train um which is only a little more than two hours underneath the um underneath the 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 channel english channel and the channel and we will arrive in paris and it sounded so romantic and i remember the images from the film and everything and i could not uh, maybe on another day it would work but let me just because honestly there were challenges in the airports as well while we were there with a uh, union labor um uh, issues going on in the airports but at the train station we were at which was King's Cross you know the Harry Potter we were 
you know, loading platform nine. So we're literally staying at nine three quarters. I didn't see anything going on there. But anyway, we um, waiting for that train took over four hours and switching off because what we were originally going to do was take that train and you can make a switch off it. I think it's a little Europe. And then it literally takes you right into the middle of Disneyland Paris. I mean, how perfect to go in a couple of hours. It, it, you have a little bit of a layover in the train station. So it's a little longer, closer to three hours. But you literally could go to, right to Disneyland Paris from the heart of London in less than three hours. How romantic that sounds. Well, apparently there were electrical brown outage uh going on through France and as a result all these trains were backed up and if we were going to get into um, if we were going to take that particular route we were likely going to miss the 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 second train that would take us right to Disneyland Paris so we had to switch and wait a little longer but be more assured going into a direct um, direct to Paris that's only about two hours to do that and that took us directly into Paris. But we were at 11 p.m. By the time we arrived in the train station, all the romanticism of that experience had long gone out the door. And in its place was this long line for taxis at the end of the night. And it was not as romantic as I had expected from Impression de France. Um, notwithstanding all of that, I have to say that the the best part of this, we got into this taxi and it takes, it took the better part of a hundred uh, euros to get from that train station to, um, to uh, Disneyland Paris. Now, when you are at Charles de Gaulle, there is a um, bus shuttle. I've taken it previously and the roads have, I mean, back in 2005, they were going on these off-roads to get you to Disneyland Paris. Now it's all freeway all the way there. That's a far better deal. And probably I would recommend Charles de Gaulle if, unless you're just wanting to take all the time in the world. Um, because of that night. And, but you could also take a taxi. And that was a little more than 100 euros to go take a taxi directly um, to and from both of those places. Um, notwithstanding. After the very long day of trying to get to Disneyland Paris, we arrive at midnight and we had taken on an additional night stay at the Hotel Santa Fe. And I have to tell you, when we arrived and the lights, the neon lights of the Hotel Santa Fe came before us, I'm telling you, it was a magical Disney wow moment. I was, and you, I even was, it, it was even happening even before you got there. Cause you'd go through these, through these, you know, down the freeway. It's pretty dark on both sides. As you approach Disneyland Paris, everything's so organized. It reminds me of Hong Kong Disneyland where everything's tropical and wonderful, but it is so tropically, wonderfully organized in Hong Kong Disneyland. Here you had boulevards and streets and everything laid out so perfectly at Disneyland Paris. As you could sense that arrival. When you arrive at the Hotel Santa Fe, what you're arriving at is a drive-in movie theater. The parking lot for the hotel faces and faces the front of the hotel, 
and on top of the roof is a giant um, drive-in movie screen. Now it doesn't actually play a movie, it just, it just has an image from Cars. The original hotel, before Cars came out, had a big image of Clint Eastwood on it. It was it was bizarre. I think they made the arrangement at the same time they they got him to be an audio animatronic for for the great movie ride. Uh, but for me, it was it was more than enough just to finally arrive at Disneyland Paris and to be at this. Now the Hotel Santa Fe is the most affordable. The Cheyenne Hotel is also fairly affordable as well. Um, and I have to tell you that the Hotel Santa Fe is probably one of the most bizarre hotels that you will ever see Disney design. There are things in there that just don't make sense, but they kind of redid it to the theming of cars and it works and it's enjoyable and it's not that far from the parks and it's a pretty good value dollar wise and doesn't have a pool in it or Cheyenne, um, but it does have a laundry. <laughs> and at this point, we had already gone through half of our, our trip and we need to do some laundry. So I thought that there was a laundry machines in Santa Fe and Cheyenne. Turned out it was only at Cheyenne. Otherwise I probably would have booked Cheyenne. By the way, if you hear some noise downstairs, it's my youngest son who is thrilled to have us at home. And even though he's downstairs and across the other side of the house, he has an ability to project from the diaphragm just like his father. So I apologize for any incidental noise behind the scenes. That's said and done. Where I was going is that the French love the American West. And so Disney has not one, not two, not three, but even kind of four Disney Resort locations all arranged around the American West. The first is the Santa Fe Hotel, which has an adobe style. It kind of takes its roots from New Mexico and along the Route 66, especially with the cars theme added on. That becomes your, your first hotel, the Cheyenne is like an old-fashioned Western high noon, uh, John Wayne, um, just uh, streets of, of clapboard buildings. Uh, you can uh, ride ponies with, uh, have your child ride ponies down the street. It's very traditional American Western. Uh, you have a Davy Crockett campground, and, and that's its own theme in and of itself, obviously much like Fort Wilderness of Walt Disney World. Uh, it's the second uh, it's the second campground that, well, that Disney has. Most people don't know that there's a second campground and it's the Davy Crockett campground. And they have cabins like the one at Fort Wilderness and so forth. And then there is the grandest of all of the Western themed hotels at Disneyland Paris, the Sequoia Lodge. Now, I have to uh, give you a little bit of context here. The grandest hotel in all of Disneyland Paris is the Disneyland Paris Hotel. And honestly, if it wasn't under a massive renovation, I mean a gut job kind of renovation, uh, we probably would have spent the money even maybe twice as much as what we spent at Sequoia to have stayed at Disneyland Paris Hotel because you're right there at the entrance to the park and you're only feet away, similar to how it is at um, the Disneyland Hotel 
are at the Disneyland Resort, where the two parks are are just adjacent by uh, a promenade plaza area. And so there's lots of benefits to staying at the Disneyland Hotel. But notwithstanding, this is a lovely, wonderful hotel. It was built, and it opened about two years before Disney's Wilderness Lodge and nearly 10 years before Disney's Grand Californian. So it didn't have the benefit of, in fact, none of those hotels had the benefit, well, even when you go to the Disneyland Paris Resort Hotel at the gates, as, as grand as that hotel is, it's not as grand as the Grand Floridian because at the Grand Floridian, you have this massive atrium that you step into. There is an atrium that has been with the Disneyland Hotel, but it isn't anything quite like the Grand Floridian. The same would be said here. There's a really lovely lobby, but no atrium, none of that kind of overwhelmingness that you get when you walk into, into, uh, into the resort at Walt Disney World. However, all of that said and done, it is still a very impressive hotel. It's, it's, it's based on the national parks and in particular Sequoia National Park, which is in California. In fact, the, the, the park hotel uh, cast members are wearing costumes, which are ranger costumes, and it says California on their badges. So it is specifically for Sequoia. Now in um, the Sequoia National uh, Park, there is a lodge that they have called, I think it's Wuxachi Lodge, this is nothing like that. This is much more grand than that uh, resort lodge. Um, so in essence, it's not like that lodge. It's not like Disney's Wilderness Lodge, and it's not like Disney's Grand California Lodge. This one really takes its architectural roots, per se, between National Park Lodges meeting up with Frank Lloyd Wright. Frank Lloyd Wright, uh, in his early 20th century style, had a very succinct look and feel and this is fused into that national park lodge setting and it's a very lovely it's a very lovely uh look it's not grandiose on the outside but it is it is it feels like you have walked away to a whole nother world the 500 uh, trees i think i mentioned in my previous podcast sequoias had been moved to uh this hotel site you can walk through trails that just leave you in the middle of this beautiful fern-fested forest. There are fireplace lounges, there's swimming pools, there's even a dam, go figure, uh, where these uh, beavers have created this dam, there's these, these statues of beavers. It's just, it's very lovely. The, hot, uh, the decor inside the rooms is really touches of Disney's Bambi, but it's done very tastefully and it is, it is worthy of a stay. There is a walk, and it's the better part of 15 minutes, especially when you have to take in going through the security area, which you do as you go into the Disney Village. The Disney Village is halfway between it and the parks, so which is kind of nice because you stop at a Starbucks there or at a McDonald's, get breakfast, and then go on into the parks. Um, like our own parks, there aren't a lot of choices for breakfast, so, so that kind of offers an option. I should also mention that all the Disneyland Resort hotels give you the benefit of coming in an hour before opening. And let me tell you, that's a big benefit. There's a lot you can accomplish. 
I was there. I knew when uh, one morning, my first morning uh, doing the early entry into, uh, well, let me just back up. The day before I had done an early entry into the Walt Disney Studios park and I had this feeling that everybody was going to go toward this crushes coaster uh, and oh my goodness it was the traditional run till your heart stops kind of craziness they did not lead the crowds gently in its line to the no and it was completely packed filled within seconds of um, park opening and we were really one of the very first people at the gate and we probably had to wait about 10 minutes by the time we got into it was just it was all sorts of craziness so i'm thinking okay there's going to be all sorts of craziness if you've gone to the disneyland or even at walt disney world you know peter pan's flight is not a it's not it's one of those attractions that not only attracts a lot of people wanting to wait it doesn't hold a lot of people fortunately at disneyland there are actually two rows on the ship so it does double the occupancy level, but I knew that, and I could hear somebody talking about, we're gonna go on Peter Pan first thing. So here I am, first of the gate, I'm thinking, I'm I'm heading to Peter Pan, which is completely on the opposite end of the park, of course, going through the castle into Fantasyland, and it's the far end. And I, I make a run to it, and surprisingly, everybody else went to Big Thunder Mountain, which I don't think is a great idea because Big Thunder Mountain starts off with one train. And then adds a second train towards the end of that first hour as the regular guests go. So I don't think you have an advantage there. Conversely, I was able to be the first one on Peter Pan's flight. And it was easy breezy. In fact, I was able to do it twice before um, the crowds really built up there. Within 20 minutes, I did it twice. So there's some advantages of that. I should mention here... Uh, and I, 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 there's a couple other topics I need to cover before we get into the depths of the parks. But uh, they do not have a Genie Plus plan per se, where you buy one and you get in fast pass to a number of them. What they do is have, what they have is Lightning Lane Select passes for approximately twelve. Uh, attractions between both parks three and the studios with uh turtle or crush uh coaster and tower of terror and something else i can't remember and then the rest at disneyland paris and they val they vary we spent five dollars five euros on the autopia just to remove that hassle it's about 12 for Peter Pan's flight. I guess what I'm trying to say is staying on property, obviously, and getting there early, first thing in the morning, gave you lots of advantages for doing these things without having to wait in line or pay the extra to ride on them. The same thing happened on the back end of the day. By the end of the day, the day ends very late in the summer in Paris. The, the fireworks were not till 11 because it wasn't dark enough until 11 to have those fireworks. And uh, as a result, there's lots of things you can go and do and see in the last hours of the day before you do that. Now, before I get into the parks, I gotta cover three other things I think is important. The first is uh, between the hotels and the parks is the Disney Village. And I gotta say, the Disney Village is the worst looking 
piece of retail entertainment venue among all of Disney's entertainment between between uh, Disney Springs, uh, Downtown Disney, uh, was D uh, Disney's uh, Shanghai version, which is um, uh, Disney Town. This is the worst looking thing. Now, the good news is they have announced a major rehab to this, and it is so badly needed because it looks terrible. But the benefit of it is, is it does offer some shopping and dining options and things like that uh, between to and from. If you're staying at these other hotels besides the Disneyland Hotel, they're just, it, it's kind of the passageway into these hotels. So it's really to your advantage. Um, it, staying at Sequoia or um, the Hotel New York is a little bit comparable to staying at the Disneyland Hotel or the Paradise Pier Hotel at Disneyland. You're having to walk through all those. Be nice if there was a monorail. There isn't. But you, you have the advantage of being able to walk and enjoy those venues. Unfortunately, they're they're kind of gaudy looking. And they they need a massive overhaul. Good news is that's on the on its way, um, but I should let you know. The other thing that is there is the train station. Remember, we're gonna take the train, dun, 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 dun. We're gonna take the train into Paris from London. You can also take the train right there into Paris itself. And if you're looking to do Paris, well, you ought to do it. I mean, it's a bucket list. You've gone that far. Unless you've already done it, been there, done it before, you definitely need to do it. We, we clearly did the Eiffel Tower. That is a definite do, and it was beautiful and impressive. Make your resort, make your reservation, make a reservation with that tower, and make it with the tower itself, not with a travel company, because they do not add any value uh, to it, and you've got to go to their travel place to line up and then march over. It's a pain. Make it with the Eiffel Tower group itself. We took the double-decker bus, the city bus actually, and it was uh, very convenient, uh, very good, lots of stations, lots of ways to just sit back and enjoy and see the sights of Paris. That worked out really well. You can go see the Louvre, you can um, see lots of sights. Notre Dame obviously is closed uh, at this time for the renovation. I had seen it in previous visits. It's definitely worth seeing when it does reopen. I would say the hidden gem. And I learned this from several people who've been there. You know, they, there are some really ornate places to see in Europe. Uh, Versailles is one of those places outside of Paris uh, to go to um, Rome and see many of the sites there. It's pretty impressive. May I recommend the Palais Garnier, um, which is basically the Paris's opera house. In fact, it's actually the uh inf the the opera house that influenced the whole phantom of the opera there is a massive chandelier i show a picture of this in disneyatplay.com in the center of this actually was a chandelier that once fell and killed somebody uh years and years ago uh, there's even a moat at the bottom of this now that's closed to the public um for i don't know that that'll ever reopen but what you want to see, if you want to see something really ornate, is to see not just the theater, but the lobbies and the and the the whole entry. There is nothing more grand and impressive than this opera house, and it really is worth uh, jumping off the uh, 
one of those double-decker buses or taking a taxi or something to go see it. It really is worth it. And and you want to, you know, take in the awe of Paris, you know, the, um, go in and, and dine in, in their restaurants and so forth. It's so worth it. But um, the third thing I would say is, is that um, COVID, when we left, the impression we had gotten was that you needed to show evidence of a COVID test before you left um, uh, Europe and came back into the United States. In truth, what that became was a piece of paper you had to sign and hand in and nobody asked you any questions. And in fact, in the days following already, they have pretty well done away with all COVID restrictions. So the time it took us to go to get on a train station there and go to the next exit, which is Valde Europe, and is a mall area and a, and a residential area, uh, that was an absolute pain to take the hours we did to go do that test. The benefit and the gain from it is, is there's a whole world out there at the next exit on that train and there is a massive mall, there are dining and retail opportunities, there is uh, there are hotels in that area, residential areas, you wanna do the verbal thing. Uh, we are probably looking at taking a larger group of our family next time and doing the, the verbal thing and staying at that. And honestly, the distance is not far uh, to to go to the next exit. The, the downside is you don't get the hour early into the parks, but just know that that is an option available to you and something you ought to, to check out. So on that note, let's get to the really, really good part. Oh, Park Disneyland. It was so beautiful, far more uh, beautiful, far more operational, far more impressive an experience than it was when I was last there. It has, all of these attractions have been beautifully remodeled. Unless of course it's closed for renovation. And in fact, Hyperspace Mountain and the Nautilus Sub, which just hurt my heart, um, the Disneyland Hotel that I mentioned earlier. And it seemed like there was, oh, it's a small world. We're all closed. Now those are all gonna be reopened within the the weeks, well, actually Space Mountain was testing for reopening the day after we left. And and Small World, I think, is only a couple of months away. But but the rest of the attractions has been, um, has been reopened. And it is, I mean, they've been redone and it is breathtaking. Sleeping Beauty Castle has been completely redone. Absolutely a wow from my wife who loves Disney, but is not the Disney fan. She walked away from this experience saying, we've got to bring our family. That's how wild she was. She said, this is the best castle ever. You go down to the dungeon, see the dragon, the shops, the chalet with, with uh, the Christmas shop there and Merlin's. And then there's a little cottage next door for the three fairies. And beyond that, Cinderella's got her own restaurant. The whole layout is so beautiful and everything was was spotless and well cared for and done. We dined at Captain Jack's, which is adjacent to Overlooks. It's kind of like Blue Bayou, but it doesn't have the, front, the New Orleans look. It has kind of a tropical look to it, but it overlooks the boats as they come through Pirates of the Caribbean. We dined at the Silver Spurs Steakhouse great meal, great service. 
in these restaurants. I think some of the best cast members are in the restaurants. Dined at the Plaza Gardens restaurant. It was the first buffet that Kath and I had done together um, at Disney. And it was the first time we had had character, a meet and greet experience with the characters. Um, where you're not just waving at them from a distance. They come up to you. They hug you. My first hug was from Mickey. And that was magical. And the restaurant was wonderful. The food was very good. So many choices on the menu. The chocolate fondue to macaroons. All the macaroons you could eat were worth the price that you paid for that, for that dinner. It was so, so good. And then you get into the attractions themselves. Let me just say that Phantom Manor was a little on the dark and creepy side for my wife. And it is a little funky in that regard, but it is so unique and so different. And when you go to the, instead of the graveyard, you go underground into these crypts and then you emerge into a Mark Davis inspired style, um, old ghost town with ghosts. And you have the phantom going throughout all this. It was, it's trippy. It is absolutely trippy. The train takes you on the Grand Canyon concourse. The, the shops along Main Street look a lot like the ones at Walt Disney World on the outside, but go inside and the decor is 10 notches above that. It is so beautifully done. The detail, the stained glass uh, that you see throughout this park is stunning. They had um, Buzz Lightyear. Go figure. I wouldn't. It wasn't even interesting going to Buzz Lightyear because it's the most. It's the most unimpressive uh, attraction at Walt Disney World. It so badly needs repair. It basically allows you to maneuver the seat, but have handheld guns to shoot from. Let me tell you the detail and the theming and the color and the black light use in that. And it was a longer track than I think any other Buzz Lightyear I've been on. It was probably the best Buzz Lightyear I have ever been on. Go figure. Um, we took in, speaking of Blacklight, we took in Pinocchio's and then we took in Snow White, which had been redone. And again, drop dead gorgeous. Uh, the Blacklight usage, it's the familiar Snow White scary, uh, they only call it Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, but but it has the scary features of the witch appearing um, often throughout the scene, although it has a very happy ending to it. But um, it's it's beautiful. It is it is impressive. There's a there's a store next to it um, that is the it is part castle, part uh, Seven Dwarfs Cottage. Again, more of the impressive that you see. It's just. Everywhere you turned, uh, the the carousel, the horses on it were impressive. Oh, Alice's Curious Labyrinth. We had such a hoot going through that maze. And my wife, oh, now I get the, the landscapers next door. Great. My Sorry for any noise. But the my wife and I went through that labyrinth for, it took about 30 minutes to it. You emerge at the Queen of Hearts Castle and you have a great view from the top there as you do from the uh, second floor of the castle. Cinderella, it's so cool. And and let me tell you, we just laughed. It was so much fun to go through that labyrinth. Now, let me tell you the best attraction at Disneyland Paris. 
I knew it was always a, a really good attraction. But this may have gone to the top of all of my lists. They had redone, I guess in 2017, may have been when they done it, although they may have done a subsequent renovation on just the facilities. Pirates of the Caribbean has is a whole nother podcast. And in fact, it'll probably be part of my, no, it won't, won't, will be, it will be a part of my Wayfinder Society um, a group that you can, that you can join. Um, that's our Patreon group. You definitely want to check that out. But uh, let me tell you the, the queue in Pirates of the Caribbean, very impressive. It is so, this old fortress just has this look and feel to it. And then the ride, oh my goodness, I was so impressed by how everything came together beautifully on this ride. The swinging pirate, the, um, the sword uh, fighting between the pirates, Captain Jack Sparrow, Barbosa turns into a skeleton. Wasn't the perfect effect, but it was pretty good. And I don't see anybody else doing that effect. And everything was perfectly done. Myths, uh, screen myths of um, Blackbeard. It had everything. It had everything you possibly want in a Pirates of the Caribbean. Add a great gift shop. Add this Captain Jack's dining experience, which the first part was just where you waited to get your your room, your uh, table, and it was themed to drawings that Mark Davis had done originally when he was working more on the museum side of the Pirates of the Caribbean, but it is just, everything is perfect. Adventure Isle is just next to it with Captain Hook's pirate ship. And lo and behold, I'm on the Adventure Isle taking pictures. And who do I run into but Captain Hook himself standing in the middle of this island, looking over everything. What a great photo uh, experience. So much fun. The other wow experience. Um, a little disappointing because Avengers Campus is still not open. But Park Walt Disney Studios is a had a lot of good wows to it. Not as many as the Magic Kingdom. The entrance I love. The Studio One I love. I think there's some wows. I didn't even know there's a Herbie the Love Bug inside Studio One. Uh, that surprised me. We'll have to do a whole whole thing on Studio One one of these days, which is their main street, but it's inside of a backlot studio, or inside a, um, inside a, uh, a uh, soundstage, and it uh, allows you to get warm in the inclement weather. A couple of whiles there, uh, they've always had a, a backlot tour tram. It did not work. It's been rethemed to Cars Road Cars, and it's a Route 66 thing. It could have added some more elements, but it's taken Catastrophe Canyon, my beloved Catastrophe Canyon, and made it Cars Catastrophe Canyon, and that was so much fun to enjoy and do. It was a wow. Um, the Ratatouille area space, it has a restaurant adjacent to it, and it's a, and a gift shop themed out to it. Far more, and kiosk, it was far more themed out uh, than than the one we have in Paris, but it's but again we we don't they don't have the front of the France, but but it was it was eloquently themed out. That was a while. The Crushes coaster was 
<laughs> thematically detailed. More thematically, the first half of it, or 40% of it, 30, 40% of the track is is like the Finding Nemo ride at, at the seas, but it is far more themed and blacklit and really well done. And then you go up and you do this wild mouse coaster kind of thing and hold on to your hats. It is crazy. There is uh, Mickey and the Magician show, which was magical on many levels. It's their stage show, kind of at the same caliber as the Disney Cruise Line shows. About a 30, 35 minute show. It was really enjoyable. Uh, and of course, then Avengers Campus opens in less than 10 days. And that's going to add more to it. So this is going to be a park we're seeing. The thing I have to tell you, and, and again, I'm sorry about the landscaping behind me. thing I have to share with you is my surprise with the Tower of Terror, which is the California version. I really just, just wanted to check it off because I hadn't done it when I was, it wasn't there when I was there the first time. Um, it had been redone with the little girl. Remember the little girl holding the Mickey Mouse? Well, she is creepier than all get out. And uh, she's calling for you down the hallway. And she is creepy. And in French, no less. And it is creepy. And it was fun. We had so much fun on the Tower of Terror. Go figure. And it's not even their best ride system. But it was still a great experience. I've just, I've just barely touched the surface of everything we absolutely loved at Disneyland Paris. It was so much fun. And I'm so uh, excited to share so much of it with you. Part of it will be shared with our Patreon group, the Wayfinder Society. Check that out. It will be worth your, you know, it helps support this podcast, but we give back, not, and I'm going to start some podcasts that are special. I've gotten the feedback that people like podcasts as well as the interactive tools. I think the combination of both will make it so worth your uh, joining up. So check that out at, again, disneyatplay.com. And, uh, and we look forward to more podcasts. Lots of things happening at Walt Disney World and, of course, uh, throughout the Disney globe. And we have to share those with you. So make sure you are subscribed and, uh, and join us as we bring you more podcasts to come. Again, thanks for being with us and in the words of a Sinbad Storybook Voyage. Always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day.